0: go ahead and get started. can you start us off with a word of prayer first?
1: Yeah definitely. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your for this day that you've given us Lord another day to live and to serve you. God we pray for uh, this time that it will be a productive time that brings honor and glory to you for you are our great God and our great Savior Lord. Help us to set our hearts and minds on you every day as we seek to to live in this world full of sin and difficulty but lord help us to be faithful servants of you and grow and encourage each other as we walk in this life as as your church and your your body lord uh here in this world to faithfully serve you until that day when we are face to face with you in glory which we all long for so we love you god and we pray all these things in jesus name amen
0: amen let's get started
1: Amen.
2: Is truth
0: talks. welcome back everyone to the truth talks podcast i'm your host buddy boone you haven't heard that in a while have you yeah i've been kind of taking a little bit of a break and obviously you know matt is being you know is on uh sabbatical right now um whatever sabbatical means i'm still trying to get that meaning out of him as i talk to him from uh when i see him but i'm glad to uh be back and uh here with me uh via zoom is a friend of uh, ours uh a a member of our church his name is ryan itzel how you doing today sir
1: I'm doing very well. Glad
0: to be here. Yeah, man, it's good to good to have you on, and uh, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the uh, the open air campaigners, and a little bit about the the fire you brought uh, in Brimstone <laughs> from the uh, the pulpit uh, a few weeks ago. And uh, yeah, so let's get started, man. So first off, uh, kind of give us a little bit of what you do as your regular day job.
2: Yeah, so.
1: Open Air Campaigners is the organization that I work with. It's uh, a ministry that started actually back in 1892 in Australia. Yeah, yeah. And then um, through the years, it's spread. Now it's in um, over 30 countries with over 200 staff worldwide. And I'm part of the Open Air Campaigners USA, um, I guess you could call it branch, but I'm in the Baltimore-Washington branch specifically. I work under Tom Fox, and what I primarily do is I'm on the streets uh, about four days a week, um, just sharing the gospel with people. So we'll set up like a sketchboard type of a thing and put a riddle, or uh, paint up a, a message that we'll use to preach off of, sharing the gospel with with people. We were in Frederick today sharing the gospel. Um, it's it's a very unique style of street evangelism. Um, when you think street evangelism, there's probably a lot of ideas that pop into most people's minds and a lot of it's not necessarily good. Um, but what we do, uh, just focuses on the word to, to give people the word, give people the gospel and let the word be the thing that does the offensive, uh, or offending, um, of people. So, um, yeah, so my day pretty much looks like I, I get up. I, I'm in the Word, getting uh, prepared. I, I get all our supplies and our materials ready. Contact the volunteers that we're working with. If we're, you know, doing ministry with a church, which is the primary way that we like to do it, be partnering with churches, and then uh, then we go on the streets and we we hit the streets bringing the gospel.
0: Hmm. Man. Uh... I didn't know that the open, open air, open air campaigners was around for that long. That's, uh, that's pretty cool. Um, uh, yeah,
1: yeah. It has a long history with a lot of faithful men who've been a part of it throughout the years.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you mentioned, you know, the, uh, the, the look or what you would imagine, uh, street evangelism to look like, uh, what do you mean by that? Give me, give me, help me out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, so there's there's a lot of uh, versions, I guess you could say, of street evangelism that um, I've encountered many different types and they kind of are on that pendulum swing. You know, Mm -hmm. there's those that are just hyper grace where they never really share the gospel. All they do is just say, hey, can we pray for you? And they give literature that maybe is just about the church, but doesn't really have anything about the gospel itself, mm-hmm. I've run into a lot of those, um, where we're just, the gospel is just totally absent, which is really sad. Um, but then there's also the other extreme where there's no grace mm-hmm. and it's all judgment. And, mm-hmm. and there's, uh, you know, the offense is coming more from the person and their presentation of the gospel rather than the message of the gospel itself. You know, the gospel me- it literally means good news. Mm-hmm. And yet, in some of those scenarios, it doesn't really sound like good news anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we we strive to to balance it where obviously we need the law. We need to understand that we've violated uh, the law of God and broken the law. And before a righteous, holy God, we're guilty. But there also is good news beyond that, that there's a way of escape from that wrath and, mm-hmm. and mercy that comes from his very character itself. Um, so yeah, there's there's a lot of... of of different approaches. Um, but what I love about what OAC does is we're, we're just striving to communicate the gospel clearly and let the word be the thing that will offend people. Um, but with, with love communicating the truth of the gospel.
0: Right. And so I have two questions. The first question is how did you even get involved with an organization, uh, such as, uh, open air campaigners?
1: Yeah. So I, I, uh, that actually goes all the way back, I think, to 2009.
0: As long um, as it's not 1896,
1: we're good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I I, know. I'm, I I I like to think I'm i um, I'm old at heart, but really, <laughs> when I talk to people and they're like, that, "That's not that long ago,"
2: like,
1: oh. Okay. <laughs> so um, yeah. When I so I was I was 14 at the time. That that lets you know how old I am. <laughs> right, right. But I was I was 14, about to turn 15. And I was, our church was doing what they called Mission Possible, and it's a six-week-long missions trip program that happens uh, over the, the course of three years. Well, it's actually six, six weeks uh, for three different years. Mm-hmm. So the first year, you do six weeks of local uh, street evangelism ministry. Mm-hmm. The second year, you do six weeks out of state, and then the final year, it's six weeks out of the country. Mm-hmm. And I did that whole program and um the first time yeah it was was 2009 i tell you i was the shyest kid you've ever met my motives were probably wrong i wanted to hang out with my best friend who was going on the trip Mm -hmm. Uh, but we got on it and i took the first week that, that we were doing training and we had to kind of use this OAC style of ministry. Like to give you an idea, I was the kind of kid who was too shy to order at a restaurant. So wow. I, I'd like tell my dad, Hey, here's what I want when the waitress comes back or something like that. Well, um,
0: well thank goodness your dad is not shy.
2: Yes. No, he is
1: not. Not at all. Love um, that guy. But, but so, <laughs> um, so yeah, that first trip we were, painting up sketchboards. This is just stuck in my mind. We mm-hmm. were painting up our messages and then it was time to just do like a practice run through. And there were just gonna be kids messages on how to share the gospel to kids. My message was Genesis three, you know, just Adam and Eve have sinned and and God has come and you know, just straight avenue to the gospel. Mm-hmm. And I did my presentation for the team. It took about uh, two minutes, which is just very, very quick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And afterwards, one of the team leaders, it was so bad. One of the team leaders got up and he just said, you know, this is going to need some real work. I went in the bathroom and I just being honest, I bawled my eyes out. Yeah. <laughs>
2: I'm
1: like 15 years old. I'm terrified. I'm like, I want to quit. This is day two of a six week long missions trip. Wow. And I'm, I'm ready to quit. <laughs> um, but God graciously used the godly men who were on that trip and they were, uh, OAC staff members who yeah. were leading that, um, that missions trip, they, uh, they discipled me, they worked with me, they helped me. And by the end of that, I was, I told them, I, I distinctly remember saying, I want to join OAC. And so all these years later, God has, uh, you know, he's graciously been working in me and I've kind of, you know, been wandering a little bit, finding which, where, where should I go in ministry? Should it be church ministry? Should it be missions? And, you know, it was just clear at, as God was leaning in me, I need to go to OAC. This is, yeah. this is where i me.
0: That is cool, man. And providentially, uh, you landed in a church that is all about missions and all about, you know, supporting missionaries. So uh, you definitely have a a, a strong support system here. And then, you know, you mentioned Tom Fox earlier. He used to be called the Phantom Elder. Um, I gave him (laughs) a new name now. He's not he's not Phantom anymore. We know where he is. And where he's coming right. from so uh but yeah you know a strong uh mentorship and leadership there as well um uh so you you are you know god has providentially put you in, a, in a, an amazing spot and uh so which leads to uh where you were a couple of weeks ago meaning in the pulpit which uh you know really is is not you know of course you know everybody that, that i would say that to that's in our pulpit You know, they would say, "Oh, yeah, you know, whatever." But I know that um, in our church, that is a very serious task. So not everybody can get in our pulpit and uh, preach um, because we have a a German Shepherd uh, at the pen making sure that you know we are we are getting sound doctrine uh, every Sunday. Uh, and making sure that the person that's standing in that pulpit is, is qualified to do so. And uh, I will say that um, I have a lot of notes here that I want to kind of go over with you and kind of ask a few questions uh, about it. Um, one thing that I was uh, very intrigued by and loved is that you you mentioned, and you, it was kind of in passing, but I caught it. You said that 1 Corinthians 153 through4 is like a very uh, a very cool and, and like uh, succinct description of the gospel. Mm-hmm. So can you kind of walk us through, uh, first Corinthians, uh, 15, three through four then?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it says, for I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received that Christ died for sins in accordance with the scriptures that he was buried and that he was raised from the dead on the third day in accordance with the scriptures.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that, that verse, um, is is just an amazing summary. I love how how he begins by just saying those words, "I delivered to you as a first importance, mm. what I had also received." Mm-hmm. And so you know, it 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 just puts the gospel where it's supposed to be. Now this is what all this is the foundation of everything that's going to take place in the life of the believer. When somebody you know is saved, from there everything builds off of the gospel, and we never lose should never lose sight of the gospel. It all—it's it, a first importance in our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but he—he he just summarizes the work of Christ, and I love that the gospel really is all about what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. That Christ died for sins, in accordance with the scriptures. You know, he bore the wrath that—that that we deserve. He did what we couldn't do. He died in the place of sinners, and he died for the sake of sins. Know, so that we could have our sins forgiven. And, and that is, that's why it's good news is because, you know, those, those truths point back to the reality of, well, why do we, what are sins? You know, where it's anything we think, say, or do that's against God, doesn't please God, breaks God's law. And, and we all have this problem of sin. Mm-hmm. The fact that Jesus came to die for it means that there was a problem that we had between us and God. So even in there, even though it doesn't explicitly say that hey, you're a sinner, it points to the fact that Jesus came to die for sins. And the reason he died for sins is because we have this problem called sin. Uh, It's something that we all have for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. We, we have this problem of sin and Jesus came to deal with it. He did what we couldn't do. Mm -hmm. Um, And what I love too, is that he says that he died for sins in accordance with the scriptures as he's referring back to, you know, what Christ has done and the fact that it was foretold, you know, wonderful place for that, uh, Isaiah 53, where we see that reality that it that this suffering servant who was gonna come and he was gonna bear our iniquities, You know, he was gonna be the one uh, that where our unrighteousness and the, the chastisement that we deserve was all gonna be placed upon him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Jesus died for sins in accordance with the scriptures. But the good news is that he didn't stay dead just like the rest of that chapter continues to expound upon uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, that jesus didn't stay dead but that he rose from the dead on the third day and we have hope because of that because if he stayed dead and he would he just, everything that he said was false because he claimed that he was going to be raised from the dead you know he he said that this temple would be destroyed and three days later it was going to be raised you know and so we we have it, the the resurrection is paramount to the gospel mm-hmm. that jesus did rise again that 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 not only that he defeated sin and conquered death on our behalf, but that the wrath that was meant for us, the payment that he made was sufficient to pay that
2: that Mm -hmm. debt. Mm -hmm.
1: And the resurrection is proof of that, that it is it is dealt with. It is done. and, And we can we can have hope. We can have real hope beyond this world and the sufferings of this world because we will have life with him because he has been raised from the dead.
0: Good, good. You know, um, I should have known better that I talked to a guy that does this for a living. And for me to think that we're going to wait to the end of the podcast to get the gospel, (laughs) I should have known better. So uh, I I love everything that you said, man. But you know, that big thing, you know, you said in the beginning uh, of first importance, that was kind of the the points that you were making. And one, the first point was the centrality of the gospel. Uh, You made that point. There was something, a a term that you, while you you were talking about the centrality of the gospel that you kind of mentioned, it was actually baptismal baptism, baptismal regeneration. What is that? Can you kind of explain what yeah. that is? cuz uh, and yes, let me and let me set it up just a little bit um mm-hmm. i came from or you know my background everybody knows this i come from very word of faith and you know it was a mix of all types of different denominations and uh one of the denominations that i came across was apostolic you know the the apostolic uh um uh, denomination so you know you know it's pentecostal apostolic that type of denomination and uh one of uh, my friends at the time she said that She asked me, hey, have you ever been baptized? I'm like, yeah, I have. She's like, who did you get baptized in? It's like, in the name of Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. She's like, nope. Acts 2.38 says you need to be baptized again and only in Jesus' name. So you brought up Acts 2.38 while you were talking about that. So I was like, all right, I got to ask him that question. Yeah, so what is, what kind of explain to us what baptismal regeneration is.
1: Yeah, so baptismal regeneration is Basically, the view that unless you have been water baptized, you cannot be regenerated, born again, made alive, which would make baptism then necessary for salvation. You know, Mm -hmm. like Jesus said, you know, unless you've been born again, you can enter the kingdom of heaven. And so in order for that to take place, you have to be water baptized. Uh, I've run into quite a few people on the streets in the past who have... uh, given that view as, as, you know, well, unless you've been water baptized, you can't be born again. And that's the message that they're wanting to give to people on the streets, even other people, you know, sharing their faith and mm. sharing that view
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: on the streets. And uh, you know, and that verse has been a very clear and encouraging verse to me. And even one that I've used in helping them to try to see, no, you know, the Bible doesn't make this claim. In fact, Paul differentiates these two he says, for Christ has not sent me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. So he, he separates this, this idea that, uh, you know, of of baptism, which was what the Corinthian people were struggling with. And he separates that from, uh, what he was called to do by Christ, which is to, to preach the gospel. Um, so, so yeah, it's a, it's a false view that that's born out of just, you know, some, some wrong interpretations of the text. You mentioned, you know, that, uh, repent and prove it. And yeah, that I, I, give credit to pastor Matt, uh, cause that's, that's where I heard that. And I love that explanation. It's just such a clear explanation of Peter's words. When he said, repent and be baptized for the remission of sin mm-hmm. is that he's making the statement that repent and prove, you know, prove this, this faith, you know, demonstrate it because they were living at a time where people were dying for the gospel. Uh, I mean, just a few chapters into Acts, we see Stephen's martyrdom, you know, he's killed for the gospel message that he's preached, the, you know, in and out of jail, the apostles are going, and it's just, uh, you know, it would it would be easy to say, sure, I, I can believe in Christ. And we have that same problem today of the easy believism, but that's mm-hmm. what Peter was saying was, you know, repent and prove it by identifying with a man who just was crucified on the cross, Mm-hmm. You know, cause that, that, that show, that'll show real authenticity in, in their faith. You know, it's a, it's a trial, a test that they will, you know, when they do that, they they're demonstrating, yeah, I'm willing to die for, for Christ. Yeah. Right? What, whatever, whatever it means, whatever it takes.
0: Yeah. And, um, obviously, um, we in this country are, <laughs> this word has been tossed around a lot, but I'm going to use it anyway. We're privileged. Uh, to not have to um, experience the amount of persecution that other countries yeah. have as of yet. Um, so um, this was, and I would imagine at that time um, when Peter, there was some persecution, uh, but, you know, nothing to how it went, you know, kind of those years as it went on, it got worse and worse, yeah. uh, especially under, you know, Nero and, you know, when Peter, Peter wrote his books while he was in prison and everything. So I can imagine. But at least now, um, the baptism um, and then the persecution that we all know is coming at some point here. Um, it's it's a it's a cleansing. It's 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 kind of uh, just cleansing uh, the the false believers or the easy believism. Uh, folks, mm-hmm. uh, clear out. So, yeah, I appreciated that. That was good. Um, you. So, your second point was the clarity of the gospel. Um, one thing that I, I wrote down was that is uh, not a uh, not according to eloquent wis- uh, Eloquent wisdom. See, I'm not eloquent enough to say that uh, uh, fast. So I have to say it really slow in order to get it. But. Sorry why so I preach from NASB because it says cleverness of speech. instead. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, yeah. That, that, that was another thing you, you were preaching from the uh, non Armenian standard version <laughs> while we use mm-hmm. the the, the uh, elective standard version. So um, but yeah, the, the 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 cleverness of speech part for me was was uh, was was very good. And and I one thing that I do appreciate about the way that you preached was and this is a compliment um, that it was simple you know, it wasn't, you know, you actually, you know, lived out that, that part of scripture. And, uh, I also love the fact that my pastor, our pastor is from West Virginia, because if a West Virginian can understand it, then everybody can, you know? Um, and of course, that's not a knock to West Virginians. Some of them are probably smarter than (laughs) us, but, you know, the way that Matt preaches is very simple. It's very easy to understand. And especially when you say, I have three words, I'm like, yes, <laughs> thank you for three words. Cause now I can follow yeah. you uh, throughout the whole thing. So I appreciate that. Now, as far as the um, the, the rest of this this entire sermon, um, one thing that you were uh, the the you were talking about, and and I want to I want you to kind of flesh this out. You were talking about the foolish and offensive parts of the gospel. You mentioned it earlier in the podcast, um, and then uh, so then when you were getting to your third point, the conviction uh, of the word preached. So. Um, earlier you were talking about how they, the fire and brim, brimstone type of guys who just, you know, on the street, just kind of going at it and not really, uh, explaining God's grace, but what do you mean by the foolishness and, excuse me, and offensive parts of the gospel?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, the message of a crucify, we, we don't, I think, get the the full depth of that because, you know, we don't, See crucifixions happening today. We don't see, you know, and, and understand as much what that means because it's not part of our daily context. But um, for somebody to to die in that way—that was not just a brutal death, but that was a shameful death.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and and the foolish message of the gospel is that we're saying in, in many ways—and it's more than this—but in many ways we're saying our our victor is the one who died that most shameful death.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and not only that, but his death on the cross is, he's triumphed over sin through his death. It really, in many ways to the world, will, it just seems foolish. It, you know, we get that in some ways today in that you know, modernism, you know, unless it's, it's everything that uh, you, know, you can test and, and repeat, and science is, is the way to all knowledge and, and understanding. Uh, and then postmodernism—that that there is really no such thing. There's just more insanity than anything. Mm. That there's no, you
0: know. No relative abstinence. truth or objective truth, yeah.
1: Exactly.
0: Mm.
1: Um, but this message that that he died and our Savior died is foolishness to the world because it, it's just, death seems like the ultimate defeat. You know, because especially, we and, and people live their whole lives just trying to prolong their life just trying to hold on to their life. And yet for the Christian, not only did our savior die, which is our victory, but we look forward to our death because one day we will be with him in our death. And so, you know, death is 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 not the greatest defeat for us. In fact, it's just the stepping stone to being with, you know, with our, our great Lord and savior. So it's foolish for, for many reasons. Uh, the fact that God would become flesh and do this, that he would die in the place of sinners You know, that makes no sense to our world. Romans 5 makes that clear that, you know, we would rarely die for, give our life for a good person, Mm -hmm. but what about for the most vile of sinners? Mm -hmm. And he says that God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Mm -hmm. And he's already made that clear what that is throughout the, the previous chapters of Romans, that we were haters of God, that we did not seek God. And we, we're not righteous, we're unrighteous. And in light of all of that, when he says, you know, God demonstrates his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, that's what he means. While we were yet God-haters and, and unrighteous in all of our ways and not seeking for God, you know, having turned aside each one of us to our own way, he died for us. And that just, that message makes no sense to a world Who's all about preserving our own life, who's all about death being that ultimate final defeat. Mm-hmm. No, we we have hope. Colossians two talks about that, where, where it talks about how the how he nailed to the cross uh, that certificate of debt in a sense that 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 stood against us with its legal demands, Paul says, and he set it aside, nailing it to the cross. And then he says after that, that he triumphed over the rulers and authorities. Mm-hmm. It's like Jesus' death on that cross was a triumph because he did what we couldn't do. He crushed sin, defeated sin and death, and the blessing of that is is what we see in our lives as we are forgiven of our sin. So it's it's foolish for many reasons, but those are those are some reasons I think that that the world views our message as foolish.
0: Mm-hmm. And I'm going to ask you a question. This is going to put you on the spot. I just want you to know that. This is going to put you on the <laughs> spot. But being uh, doing the uh, the occupation that you do and, and the ministry, I, besides calling occupation, the ministry that you do, you're used to questions, weird questions coming from people. Uh, but this is a far out question. What you just explained, yeah, what you just explained, you know, the foolishness that uh, the foolishness of the gospel but one of the things that you said was there were two responses. There's it's foolishness to the uh wait a minute. Yeah, it's veiled to those who are perishing foolishness to those who are perishing and then the power of God to those who believe those are the, basically the two responses. So I have a question for you. How do you know what what evidences do you have or how would you explain it to an unbeliever why all of this is actually true?
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So um, when I talk to people, oftentimes I kind of begin the discussion on, you know, uh, what do you think happens to you after you die? Because most people are thinking about that question or have thought about that question, and then you know they'll give their ideas, um, and so we'll we'll talk about those for a little bit, Uh, but then I say, you know, how do you know that's true? Um, You know, because what matters is what's true, and oftentimes I use the illustration of a building and. And I point to a building, and I'll say, you know, imagine I stood on top of that building, and I said, I believe I can fly, and I, uh, you know, I, I'm sincere about it. I have, you know, I, I'm convinced I can, and I jump off that building. What's going to happen to me? You know, obvious. And most people, most people will be honest and say, you're going to fall to the ground, and you're going to die. Mm-hmm. I say exactly because even though I believed it, that didn't make it true. And so as we look at the you know, what we have before us with all the the plethora of, 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 you know, world religions and ideas of what happens after we die, how can we discern what is true? And I think there are helpful uh, ways to analyze that and to understand that and to view that. One, I, I would first say, I'd preface it with this, it is ultimately of God. You know, no amount of reasoning, no amount of of, of communication of, of facts or ideas or eloquent wisdom, you know, cleverness of speech, none of that will ever convince somebody and, and truly save somebody. I mean, Paul even says in, in first Corinthians two, that he didn't want, that he preached Christ crucified. That's all he wanted them to know. You know, that's all that he wanted to know of them was Christ crucified so that, you know, he preached, not so that people would look to him and that their faith would rest on the wisdom of man, but that it would rest on the power of God and the work of God. Um, And so that's, that's of utmost importance is that ultimately no one will be saved apart from the working of God, the sovereign choice of God to save a sinner, to open the eyes of the blind, just as he said, let there be light. And there was light in the same way, God shines the light of Jesus Christ into our hearts, and we realize the gospel and are saved. That being said, uh, there are helpful tools that we can use to to evaluate and see: is this worldview that that we're looking at does it does it meet certain criteria? Uh, and I'd like to sum those up as uh, internally consistent and externally verifiable. Hmm. So is what what the Bible says, that the claims of Scripture, are they internally consistent? Do they agree with each other? And I can tell you that there is no book on the face of this earth that has ever been written by as many authors over as long period of time that is so harmonious, that agrees with itself all over. From beginning to end, you've got this picture of the gospel that is played out, and you see it in the lives of people, and all of the claims of Scripture agree with themselves mm. you know and now there are difficult passages always there's always things that people can bring up that are difficult passages but the problem when we come to those is is not the text it's us you know we we're the ones that, that kind of find the pro find a problem with what the bible you know doesn't it, it, there is no problem we just mm. think there's a problem because yeah. of our own thinking
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so the bible is is internally consistent there are just a beautiful ways of, of pointing that out but I'd love Everything coming back to the gospel, just seeing the gospel through all of all of scriptures. We see that promise even in Genesis 3. We see that promise, the seed that will come through Abraham. God calls his people. And then from there, we see the picture of the gospel through Exodus, where he's he's delivering his people out of what can almost be the dominion of darkness, which is Egypt and delivering them to the promised land. Just like Colossians 1 talks about how he saves us from the dominion of darkness and he, he delivers us into the, uh, transfers us into the kingdom of his beloved son. Uh, but we see that picture all throughout there. And then it culminates with Jesus. And he comes and he does the work that it's foretold about throughout the Old Testament in the Psalms, in, in Isaiah, in all the books, where it's just pointing to this Christ who will come. And then he does it. And then it explains how do we live in light of Christ, in light of the gospel, until he returns. You see this internal consistency. But then we also, you know, the, the Bible's externally verifiable. And I love this when I'm talking to people is that I get to say, when I'm in a conversation with somebody, you know, the Bible makes sense of the world in which we live.
2: Hmm.
1: It makes sense of the world in which we live, which other religions can't in many ways. You know, it explains where everything came from, it explains, uh, you know, uh, why we are able to communicate with each other in a special way. It explains why our, why human life has value to it. It explains why we know what is right and why we know what is wrong, you know, in, in the character of God, you know, it gives an objective uh, standard for morality and for truth. Uh, It it explains, it explains all these things. It explains why the world is not good. It explains where death Mm -hmm. comes from, you know, and it just, over and over, the Bible is ex- it's externally verifiable where the truths of what scriptures say are clearly evident in the world in which we live. And so, so oftentimes I'll point out those two those two truths when when people ask me that question. It's like, well, that sounds great and all your, your message of the gospel, but how do I know that's true? You know, they kind of turn that question right. on me that I asked them earlier. Well, how do you know that's true? You know, uh, and I love to be able to point those things at the Bible that agrees with itself and what we see in the world agrees with the Bible. And it's, it's just, it's, it's such an amazing truth, amazing reality. But again, it it has to come down to God has to open the eyes. Those things can be helpful tools to sort of remove some stumbling blocks, but in the end, uh, unless God opens the eyes, they won't be able to see, but that's the best place to have it when you're doing evangelism is it's, it's not on me. It's not in my hands to, to convince everybody. Otherwise I'm, probably the worst evangelist ever (laughs) Mm -hmm. but i I rejoice in the fact that you know that i'm just called to be faithful Mm -hmm. just a faithful communicator of the truth and and god is sovereign to do the rest.
0: that's good internally consistent and externally verifiable yeah yeah Uh, i think that'll preach right there you just did a yeah you just did a a bible (laughs) survey as well in the middle of all that as well so that 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 really encouraged me, and and you putting you're putting it in once again. It's not eloquent speech. It's like just just putting everything together that's you know packageable and 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 it's easily remembered. So uh, that's always good. So yeah, man, that, that was good. So I want to um <clears throat> I want to kind of end um and, and wrap up here, uh, not unless You had something else that you wanted to kind of point to. Or, 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 you know, usually sometimes what happens is people have more notes than what, you know, what they actually preached on. So if you have some more notes that you wanted to kind of say, well, I didn't mention this, but I do want to mention this because, you know, this is what this podcast is for. So,
1: yeah, Um. You know, I, 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 as a, I'm a young preacher, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still growing in my, in my preaching that's why i'm so thankful for examples like pastor matt you know and and like you mentioned the three words kind Mm -hmm. of thing that has been so helpful for me you know it personally here it just okay i can see the text now and view it this way and understand it you know i know how to how to think through the text logically that i could communicate that to somebody else right like you know I, that's why I wanted to do that. Cause I was like, it helped me. So I, I hope it helps mm-hmm. <laughs> when I'm speaking. Yep. Um, but I, yeah, I would say, uh, the only thing, you know, so I don't have, you know, the, the depth that, that, you know, the more experienced preachers do in that sense of, 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 of pastor Matt. And, you know, I know that he could probably preach for five hours on Sunday morning, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but I will say something that, that I hope it came through clearly as I was preaching Uh, and it really centers around that second point of the clarity of the word preached is just the necessity to, to preach the word and not our thoughts. Mm. Um, So natural and I get it. I feel that pull. It's so easy to want to just tell people something that will, they'll want to hear, you know, Mm-hmm. I, I, so we use a riddle sometimes on the streets, and I, you know, there's kind of a conclusion to the riddle, which prompts that question of, "What do you think happens to you after you die?" And as I get through the riddle, when I get to that point, I sometimes feel that, that, that temptation, to, to water it down or or to to find a way out, you know, because uh, it, it's it's so natural to want to be a people pleaser. At least for me, it is. Mm-hmm. But I think for a lot of us, it's natural to say, "It the message is offensive." You mentioned that. Earlier and and it is because the message is offensive in that it calls it demands on our lives to repent Mm -hmm. it calls us out as sinners before a righteous god it shows that we are guilty before him and then the response to it is everybody wants it to be good works you know i heard it said recently um by another guy in oac just a really encouraging thing uh he he said you know all world religions, what they do is they've got some of it right. They've, they have mm-hmm. they get that there's a God yeah. and they get that there's a problem between us and God. Mm-hmm. The problem is that they think that the method to fix that problem between us and God is their works and their deeds. And that is one of those things that differentiates Christianity from every other religion is that it's not by works. But what it is by, it's by faith and repentance. And that's offensive. Yeah. Because that means I have to deny what i want i have to deny what's natural to me what feels you know what, what i you know especially in our world today i have to deny what i identify with um you know if, if if whatever it may be if it's not christ i have to reject that and and find my my identity in christ and it can be so hard there are many churches that are compromising on the truth of the gospel compromising on that call to repent i've been in churches where you know using the sketchboard even when i was younger i mean this has been going on for a long time i've I've been in churches where they've said call people to faith but you don't use the word repent and i'm like it's in the bible
0: i don't understand (laughs) how do you not use that word exactly exactly they're saying you know, (laughs) they're saying, uh, preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. That's what they're really saying.
2: Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: But there's this idea. Yeah. It's, it's painful, (laughs) but, but, you know, the Bible is clear. Jesus said it, repent and believe the gospel. But this idea of pragmatism is so dangerous because it's infecting churches where, you know, it's basically pragmatism obviously is, is just that idea that whatever works what we should do it's good mm-hmm. right and so in the church you know whatever works to get people in whatever works to get people to you know raise their hand or or say a prayer or whatever it is right you know and so we can you know put more notches on our belt of people that have gotten saved you know that works and that's good and it comes back to guys we we just need to tell people the truth mm-hmm. we just need to tell people the gospel and in many ways you know we're not going to in many ways, you know, I know people who, you know, they go out and they they do evangelism and I praise the name of the Lord for it. Cause I preach in the true gospel, but it's easy to get caught up in that numbers game. And, and when they do that, you know, that's, that's a dangerous thing because we don't want to be calling people to the gospel. And yet at the same time, giving them false hope that it's all good. Now you got your jail out your get out of hell free card or whatever, you know, we want to tell people the truth. And though people, you know, there may be less people that are willing to say, yeah, I'll buy into just faith in Jesus. Cause I have, I'll give you an example. I was talking to a guy in Frederick a couple months ago, and this guy, he said to me, uh, you know, I'm a bad guy. I've never been to jail for murder, but I've killed people. And I'm just like, Whoa. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Just that's the kind of stuff that you get. And, and, you know, we're, we're talking. So I give him the whole gospel and I get down to the NSA are you ready to believe in Jesus? He said, yeah, I'm ready to believe in Jesus. And I said, okay, but are you ready to repent? Because you you have to repent of your sin. You know, that's kind of scary, you know, talking to a guy who's like, just opened <laughs> up about murdering people. And I'm like, I'm saying to this oh, guy, hey, man. you got to repent. And it's easy to feel that draw to be like, well, here, you want to believe in Jesus? He just said it. He just said it. Okay, good. Then let's yeah. just pray a quick prayer and let it all be done um, or or whatever. But to, to just say no, you need to. This is going to be hard to hear, but you need to repent and trust in Him. You need to turn from your sin. Are you ready to do that? And he was honest. and He said, "I'm not ready. I'm not ready to repent." Mm. And and so I just pray, and I, I hope it came through in the sermon. But I I just hope that that's an encouragement to people to say, you know, the, it's hard, and I, it's easy to want to compromise those those difficult things of the gospel, for a lighter version of the gospel, or or whatever we think will will get people into the church. But we want people to know Christ, and we want people to truly be saved and forgiven of their sins. And for that to happen, we need to tell the full gospel.
0: Man, you talk about some convicting words there, man. Uh, that's That's good stuff, man. So, wow. <clears throat> well, uh, we have come to the uh, to the end of another podcast, and uh, obviously we we always uh, have the gospel at the end. You've given it all throughout, um, but uh, obviously, I would want it to to be done again.
1: Yeah, uh, the gospel begins with God. The Bible says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God is the Creator. He's the maker, the owner, the sustainer of this world. It's his. World, every bit of it is His. He made this world. He upholds it by the word of His power, and it is His. Uh, the earth is the Lord's, and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. But God yes. is also the the uh, not just the Creator, but He is also uh, holy. He's perfect. There's no sin in Him. He's righteous. Uh, there, he is He is light, and there's no darkness at all in Him. The Bible tells us that He is perfect and that we are to be perfect as he is perfect. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. God is holy in all that he he is. He is good and he does good. But the Bible also tells us that God is just, that he is a just God who punishes sin and will not allow any sin to go unpunished. The Bible tells us that, that we are to be perfect as he is perfect. And that if we've kept the whole law and yet stumbled at one point, We've become guilty of all because now we are lawbreakers before this righteous, holy God. So we are uh, here seeing in the Bible this creator God who made this world. He is holy and perfect, and he will judge all of the world and demands that, that his creation live to that standard of perfection. But the Bible tells us that God made man, and we are made in God's image. In the image of God, he made them male and female. He made them. And so god made man and we were made in his image and we were originally made good and that means that that we have value as being made in god's image that that we are we we, we bear the communicable attributes of god we can understand love and mercy and and in holiness and these types of things because that comes from god but we are also owned by god just as a coin that has the face of caesar on it is caesar's in the same way We are owned by God because we are made in God's image. But the Bible tells us that this good creation, this world that God originally made that was good and without sin, was corrupted by man. The Bible says that sin entered the world through one man and death by sin. And so death spread to all men because all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. Each one of us has turned aside and gone our own way. We've We've pursued our own thoughts and loved everything but God, becoming haters of God, not seeking for God, forgetting God and loving everything but God. But the Bible tells us that there are consequences to this, that there's a punishment for our sin, which the Bible says is death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, and that all of our sin always leads to this death, which is not just physical death and not just spiritual death, which is that broken relationship between us and God, but it even results and eternal death for those who die without christ die in their sins eternal condemnation in hell but there is good news there is good news the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord god graciously and lovingly sent his son the second person of the trinity jesus christ to die on the cross in the place of sinners he's fully god and fully man he was the bible says that in him the fullness of deity dwelt in bodily form Jesus, being this perfect God, came down and took on human flesh. He was God so that he could be the infinite sacrifice for all creation, and he became man so that he could die in the place of mankind. He died on the cross in accordance with the scriptures as a demonstration of God's love. He bore our wrath, the the wrath that we deserve, so that we could have our sins forgiven. But he didn't stay dead. He was buried in the ground and praise the Lord. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, defeating sin on the cross, conquering death on our behalf. The the debt that we had was settled by the work of Christ. And the evidence of that was the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead. But not only that, but the evidence that he would come back and return and, and judge the world in righteousness was proved by the fact that he was raised from the dead. But the Bible calls us to respond. The Bible calls us to respond to this message of the gospel, and that is found in this. It is not by works, lest any man should boast. No, Under the law, no man will be justified before God. Not one of us by our good deeds can earn our way to be right with God, can fix that problem, can fix that barrier, which which has broke our broken relationship with God. But the Bible tells us that it's by this. If we confess with our mouth, Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. We must trust in the perfect work of Christ, no longer trusting in ourselves, but trusting in his work and his work alone. But the Bible also calls us to repent. That means to turn from our sin, to acknowledge that we have broken the, the righteous law of God, to forsake that sin and to turn to Jesus. Isaiah fifty five eleven says, let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return to the Lord. Here's the good news. And he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. He will have mercy on us through that perfect work of Jesus Christ. But the Bible calls us to forsake our sin and trust in him. Let us then respond to the message of the gospel, realizing our own sin and trusting in the perfect work of Jesus Christ today. I urge you today on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it, Ryan. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, come on and uh, do that. And I love that presentation of the gospel. And uh, I'm also, uh, if you don't mind, I'm gonna put a link uh, to open air campaigners. If you have a link, we're gonna put that in there. So people know how to contact you as well. And, uh, you know, uh, support you in any way, especially prayerfully uh, as you are out in the streets, um, proclaiming the gospel. And I appreciate it. Thank you all for uh, tuning in to the truth talks podcast. And the biggest thing is, you know, you can help us by, uh, subscribing and then sharing the, the, uh, the podcast as well. So thank you all for tuning in and, uh, we'll take care.
2: Thanks for tuning in to Please subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment. If you have a question, please send them to the thetruthtalkspodcast.gmail.com. Visit our Instagram and Twitter at thetruthtalkspodcast. And visit our website at bellcroftbiblechurch.org. Delighting in the word that we might walk in the truth. A ministry of Belcroft Bible Church.